T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. And as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Hello, it's Grant Cameron. Welcome to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Today, I'm going to do a story about the film that got me involved in 1975. I've told this story a few times. Uh, Today I'm actually going to read the interview with the guy who shot the film that I did with him. At the time, I was not interested in UFOs. I had uh, no interest whatsoever. But what happened, there was a bunch of sightings taking place. And then what was added to that was that the local TV station, one of the two big local TV stations, CKY-TV, had people out there trying to film and they almost got it and then uh, the night they got it the thing was sitting on the ground and it jumped into the air and then it flew across the sky and this was all captured on film so this is basically uh, the Nimitz film backwards so Nimitz dropped from 80,000 feet down to sea level this goes the opposite way it's sitting on the ground and there's actually ground people who actually see it on the ground they're in very close to it I think there was about 10 people out there that night. There was about three pilots. Uh, They had this thing surrounded on the ground, and this cameraman was eight and a quarter miles away, and he shot this thing as it jumped off the the ground, went uh, from ground level to 5,000 feet in three frames of film, and produced what's called a flash frame. The one frame uh, was one frame, one twenty-fourth of a second, and it absolutely lit up the entire horizon. Um, the film is very, very weird. Um, as I'll explain here and later, it, it's, uh, all the copies have disappeared. Uh, the one place you can't see it is on the documentary UFOs that has begun. Jacques Vallée narrates, and you can see this uh, film very quick. The problem with that is that you, you aren't showing it frame by frame. If you go frame by frame, you can actually see that there are uh, echoes, and these appear on some UFO films. This one has a major echo in behind the object, and it has, I believe, four or five other echoes. So you have these, the whole group of these objects going across the screen, but when you look at it in real time, it just looks like one object. So anyway, here's what happened. Um, they, the crew, the CKY crew was out there, um, and then I was just reading the interview. Alan Kerr was the guy who shot the film. Uh, he said they were out there for almost a week, almost every night, and they were trying to capture this thing. And the, the object was called Charlie Red Star. It was in Carmen, Manitoba, Canada. Uh, this thing was there pretty regularly. And Bob Deemer, who ran the airport, was the tour guide. And he was showing people where to film. And CKY TV was with uh, Bob Deemer and a bunch of other pilots. 
and they managed to get this thing on the ground and actually managed to capture it. So let me read the interview that I did with Alan Kerr. This was March the 16th, 1977. It's two years later, but when I saw that film, I was absolutely floored. Uh, they did an eight-minute uh, documentary on it where they showed the film very, very uh, quickly, and then they showed it frame by frame, and they showed how it was flying on a wave, and it was rotating and flashing, and it had these echoes on it, and it was just the, the most bizarre piece of film. When I saw that, I said to my friend, we'd originally intended to go to Carmen in February of 1975, and we didn't go because we just sort of forgot about it. And then in May, this film was captured, and that's when I said to my friend, come on, let's go see what they're looking at. It just seems so interesting that uh, this thing still seemed to be there. So we went out, and the first night, it flew right in front of the car. The second night, it flew right at me and then made sort of a turn, and I was hooked, and my entire life has been chasing... What was that object that I saw in 1975, which in the town was called Charlie Redster? So here's the interview I did two years later with um, the TV guy, and he was then had moved to a different TV station. Um, I asked him a question. Uh, I phoned in regards to the CKY film that you took while you were out in Carmen. And uh, Kerr says, yeah, right, right. I want to follow up on the film. Do you still have the film? And then he says, well, CKY still has some prints. So I said, well, I was just talking to them this afternoon, and they stated that they have, they have given all their prints out. And he answers, already? He starts laughing. So I said, I'm trying to find the original. You got it? And... He was very hesitant. He said, I might have it somewhere. And then he laughed again. Why, I suppose you want a print. So I said, yes, I would like to get a print if it's possible. The only ones that I knew had prints were CKY, who have given them out, and Heineck, J. Allen Heineck, who we can't get through to him. Now, J. Allen Heineck, according to this reporter, had come, or this film guy had come and requested two copies of the film and then disappeared and we've never been able to track those where those two copies went uh, of, of the film the Kerr says to me I don't know if he was really serious about that I never heard from him again so he came he got the two copies of the film and then his two copies of the film disappeared and he disappeared and he never talked about it but when he was there, he said it was the best nocturnal light film he'd ever seen. Um, this is, this is the, the question what I put to Kerr. I said, he said that when he was here, it was the best nocturnal light film he'd ever seen. And after that, we heard nothing from him. So Kerr says, well, there are some other people who have prints. There's another character down there in Illinois. I'm not sure. They said it was Heineck who was asking at the time. This is all secondhand because I've been to several different TV stations since. But what I remember then was telling, was them telling me that there was another university. I don't know. I can't remember his name or anything like that. But there's another fellow in Illinois who's a professor and who's got a set. See, the, the thing is, there's two pieces of film, as, as we'll explain. There was a, a film and they cut the film apart because there was blank spots in the film. And all they had was these two-inch pieces. So they keep calling it a set, two eight-inch pieces of film. 
I think maybe they're giving you some line, because I'm sure there's some more prints. I ran off. I ran off about 10 sets, I would say. And I doubt that they've given all those away. Maybe they just want to start keeping them to themselves or start pay, people paying for them. The staff and the people that worked there two years ago vaguely resemble the people that work there now. So I asked him, well, two years ago, everybody who was involved seemed to be pretty proud about the whole thing. But I was talking to Ray Cormier, who was one of the people involved in, on the, the TV um, a crew that went out there. And what happened was the they were trying to get it, and they were pay, they, they were paying some overtime. And then what happened was the associate news producer, from what I heard, had said, that's enough of this UFO nonsense. Anybody wants to go and chase flying saucers, they can go on their own time. And so what happened was they put together a group of volunteers to go out there to film, and Alan Kerr was not a, a cameraman. He'd never shot a camera in his life. He was a film editor. And therefore, this is the first film he'd ever shot taking the camera because they couldn't get a camera in. Um, Cormier stated that he, they were finished with the film. So, so Kerr says, well... If that's the case, they should have given you the prints. I said, well, he said that they they talked to the photo chief and that the photo chief had said there was no there was no prints. So Kerr says, well, I don't think that's true. I think that they're they're around somewhere or someone took them because I'll have to. I do have the originals, which is why I've got the originals, because I knew the suckers. When I was there, they screwed it up, something terrible. So I said, did they ever pay you for taking it? He said, yeah, eventually. But it was more out of shame than anything else. Apparently NBC News uh, wanted to interview and do the story, and they were scared that he would go on camera and say he hadn't been paid to take the film, so they gave him money and basically told him to shut up. I was talking to, I said, I was talking to Hendricks, who was another reporter that was there, and he said the same thing. He said that they had no intention of paying anybody. So Kerr says, well, they, they started to get publicity, and they wanted me to go on their little TV show. If I were to say that I never got money for it, they would have said, what? So they gave me this hundred bucks and told me to get lost. I was really nowhere near the overtime that I should have made, like three nights until two o'clock in the morning, or four nights, no, a week until two o'clock in the morning, and they gave me a hundred bucks. That's the way it went. Well, I don't know who I could, I'm terrified of, of getting those things printed again, because they're almost always lost since the first time I got them printed. I said, is that right? He said, yeah, that's right. They lost one set. Those things have been a disaster from start to finish. When I shot the original footage, there was 40 to 50 feet or something like that. And because I had been out till 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning, by the time I got in there in the morning, about noon, all these characters had already chopped up the film. And the only thing that was left was two 8-inch pieces. And they threw the rest of the film away. I said, is that right? He said, yeah, that's right. And now they've got the last two eight-inch pieces, the pieces that everybody sees, but they threw away everything before and after. 
So I said, and they said, what? That there was nothing on the rest of the film? He said, yeah. Well, they said they had thrown, they had thrown them out. They said, all I, uh, I couldn't find them. And nobody could tell me. Everyone said, I don't know. I don't know where the, where the film went. So those suckers, either through gross stupidity or something else, they threw out the rest of the film. I cannot to this day comprehend how anybody could be that stupid, but they apparently were collectively that stupid. Well, to me, a short story, to make a short story long, I don't know how we're going to get this done. You'll have to pay for the, the film you get, I'm afraid. I'll tell you what. I'll try and talk to Ray Cormier and see Peter West, because I still know them, and I can still see them all the time. And I'll see if I can find out what happened to the film, the prints they had, because they might just have given you a line. So the question I asked was, Hendrix was telling me about the film being out of sequence. Does that ring a bell? The story was that the film was backwards. They shot the thing, it jumped up in the air, and then it flew across the sky. And um, Hendrix told me in an interview that I did with him that it was the, the other way around, that it went across the sky and then jumped in the air. To which I said, well, that's totally impossible. And he said, I know it's totally impossible, but I saw the film before they cut it apart. It was backwards. So I asked the film guy about this. Did you hear that story? He said, yeah. But that can't be proved. Because they threw away the rest of the film. If they had left the, left the rest of the film from start to finish in its entirety, a whole strange set of circumstances could be brought forward. Now you can't prove it. It was the opposite sequence. When he cut the film into, into two pieces, there was a lot of things that were strange about that film. I shot about 30 feet. That was two years ago. I never actually measured how much I shot, but I would say roughly between 30 and 50 feet. By the amount of time, out of, let's see, uh, 20 degrees from left to right, only about, you see about maybe, on one of those clips is about 3 degrees. They threw out the rest because there was nothing on it. Which brings up the question, let's say from 10 o'clock right up to 12 noon, the camera was moving, alright? It was painting with it. After 12 o'clock, and when... What do you say? 1210. Between those and 3 or 4 degrees, that was the only time the camera picked up, is when the camera was stationary. Once it went through the camera, it picked it up again. I followed it up to about 2 o'clock. And the only time that anything showed up, according to anyone, is between those 3 and 4 degrees. When the camera was stopped, I asked. That's right. But I can't prove it. Because they threw away the film. Because I know that's what I saw. It just goes on and on. There's all sorts of other little weird things. Rather strange. I'll try and talk to them. I've always wondered what happened to it. The key is Cormier. Now some of the other weird things that happened was uh, Kerr told me that he was sitting there and that um, they had almost got it the night before and this thing was on the ground and it was sort of flaring up and going back down and flaring up and going back down. And he said, well, the next time this thing glows up, I'm going to shoot the camera so we get something on film. And it was almost like the UFO said, are you ready to shoot? 
because as he pushed the trigger, as this thing glowed, he pushed the trigger, jumped in the air. So he managed to catch this thing jumping off the ground. And um, the other weird thing was he, in the interview, you hear him talking about the fact that, that the stuff disappeared. So I managed to buy a, uh, two of these eight-inch pieces. It was a set, I think it was about a third-generation copy of it. And um, I had it at home on a six-inch metal reel. I sold my house in 2010, and you think I could find that six-inch metal reel? Like, how do you lose a six-inch metal reel of film? The film disappeared on me as well. Very, very bizarre, but this is uh, one of the most uh, famous films there was because the rumored story was that it went from ground level to 5,000 feet in these three frames and has this flash frame, which you'll actually see on a Billy Meyer. There's one Billy Meyer um, uh, film that has a flash frame on it. So the entire horizon lights up for one frame and then it goes back. It's at the bottom of the frame, the flash frame, and then in the next frame it's at the top of the screen and the camera's eight to a quarter miles away. Very, very bizarre. It's called the CKY film. You can see it on UFOs it has begun. It's on YouTube. You can see this, but again, um, that's the only thing we have now. All the copies are gone. Hynix stuff is gone. Uh, Robert Berry, uh, this religious guy who did UFOs from Pennsylvania, uh, he had a copy of it. Uh, we couldn't recover it from him. After he died, we couldn't recover it. Uh, all these copies have gone. I don't know of anybody who has a copy of the CKY film, but it was what got me into the UFO field. I was just floored when I saw this film, and uh, the rest is history. Thanks for listening, and we'll do another story again soon. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.